Uh, what my favorite thing to do is uh, identify what joke people are going to make and then basically make it, but bad, <laughs> and then they can't make it. It's comedy poison. Com com be poison. Zero credits. plot writers does it take to change a light bulb? Only two, but they'll wait six or seven seasons before screwing it up. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's John. And together we're Henry and John coming together to discuss the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist. First time in a month I've gotten the... <laughs> the intro correct. You really got all, everything in there. Yeah, everything. All of the things I used to say. You did actually call yourself John, though. Fuck, did I? Maybe. Nah. You'll have to listen back. I'm never going to. It's great. When I edit this, I'm going to start in the middle of the episode. Just do what I do and edit by sight. If, like, the, the, the waveform looks like I a funny joke, believe, just keep it in. I can't believe you edit by sight. Uh, only sometimes. Like, all the time. Yeah. Cut out all silence, and I've I've trained myself to notice when the waveform is saying something offensive. Cut it out. <laughs> that's that's pretty pretty amazing. It's like being able to visually read Braille. Yeah, I can see the shape of ignorance. <laughs> what does that look like? Uh, usually it's like a little butterfly. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's kind of sweet, I guess, in its own way. That you have to clip the wings off the butterfly. <laughs> that is sweet in its own way. You ever have a shadow box? A shadow box? Is that one of those things where you display something in a box? There's uh, kids who like bugs. Well, I don't know if they like bugs. Kids who have an interest in bugs would uh, drown bugs in ethanol. Ew. Uh, kill them in a jar and then pin them in to a little shadow yeah, box. to preserve to their bodies so they don't decay. But why is it called a shadow box? Are you supposed to line, shine a light on it? I think a shadow box can be anything you display things in. I don't know if that bug death box has a special name or not that's a crazy thing though that like when kids do that we refer to them as liking bugs yeah. but we don't say that like ed gein liked people <laughs> so he made lampshades out of their skin <laughs> yeah my kid's got some interest he's really interested in torturing the corpses of bugs <laughs> yeah my kid fucking hates bugs he hates bugs more than i hate anything i've never hated anything enough to uh, trap it in a jar with ethanol so it is drunk until it dies and then pinned it into a box to show all my shitty little friends. And speaking of being drunk until we die, this week's episode of the podcast, as always, is sponsored by... Uh, what is this called? Hans Pills. Hans Pills, the we did drink for a long time, when will my suffering end? I think we only have, like, three cases of this Jesus left. Jesus, God. And, and then we have, like, ten cases of that IPA. Oh, I like the IPA. Well, maybe I should put some in the fridge sometime. <laughs> no, I like that IPA a lot, actually. Uh, do you think we're ever going to get to a point where we we will have drunk more Hans pills than we drunk Coronas for a joke? At this point, actually, we probably have. We probably will, Yeah. But it's not as a joke, it's just out of sheer only option. I mean, I'm not going to spend $10 on some craft beer every week for this podcast if I get it for free. <laughs> free from your wedding. 
I mean, that somebody paid for it, and it was probably me. Yay! Actually, yes, I did pay for it. Congratulations, oh. by the way, on the beer. Oh, thank you. So, let's not fool around, John. We've got some business to take care of here at the beginning of the top of the show, which we're already halfway through with. Yeah. Uh, we had a little a little Twitter campaign, name, hashtag name that spider, um, which I made the horrible mistake of clicking on that hashtag, looking for all of the posts. <laughs> Great. Guess what I found? A bunch of pictures of spiders? A bunch of pictures of spiders. Never, oh, I was grossed out. That's why it's important when you pick a hashtag, try to make it something that could not have been used for tagging pictures of spiders. Why would anyone say name that spider, like recreationally uh have you ever seen a whip spider i'm gonna say no it's an arachnid but it's like a spider with like big long whippy antennas oh does he use them does does he use them to whip little insects to eat probably who cares all right (laughs) hashtag name that spider we got just one response (laughs) we just got a whole bunch of exactly one response. Okay, so maybe the Twitter audience we're not <laughs> engaging with correctly. I feel like a lot of things of our podcast, the statistics show that people are listening. Everything we try to do beyond the statistics shows that is completely not true. It's almost like we went whole hog on a campaign uh, to get a spider name in and gave our relatively limited listener base only four days to No, no, no. We did this for two weeks. Oh, did we? Yeah, we did this for two weeks. We really fucked up then. We messed up, I guess. I don't know. But we we got a name because... (laughs) <laughs> One entry means there is a name for the podcast spider that's somewhere in this room, maybe, unless I accidentally, not accidentally, on purpose killed it. Well, you know, for for what it's worth, what they say about spiders, for every one you see, there's a pound in your walls. <laughs> for every one you see, there's 30 in your bones. Yeah. They're already there. I uh, You ever hear that? If you see one cockroach, it means you've got a hundred? Yeah, something like that. Hate it. Yeah. Hate it. You know, if you ever see one human, that's too many. <laughs> you know, if one cockroach complains, that's a thousand customers who didn't have the time to complain. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. So this this name comes in from our good fam, friend of the podcast. I believe we've called her Eric for the entire time based on the fact that I misread her her handle the first time. Doesn't matter. That's fine. But she sends in... Peter Podker. Peter Podker. Like Peter Parker. Uh-huh. But podcasts. Okay. I I think I see where I think I see where Eric's coming from with that. So So Peter Pe- Podker. Peter Podker. Now that opens it up though. That's a really good spider name. Yeah. And I would like to officially christen Podcast Spider as Peter Podker from now until eternity. Yes. But we can also, based on Peter Parker, give it a lot of other nicknames, <laughs> such as the Amazing Spider Man, <laughs> the Amazing Spider, comma man, the Incredible Spider, comma man. <laughs> uh, we could call it PP. It's like that uh, musical Cats by uh, whoever did that musical Cats. I think it was some cats. <laughs> some cats did it. But there's the the name that the cat uh, is given by other people. There's the name that the cats call each other, uh-huh. and then there's the secret name that only the cat knows. Hey man, don't cat name me. <laughs> so, <laughs> the public name of this podcasting spider is Peter Podker, mm-hmm. but who knows what other spiders <laughs> call it? They could call it Dumbass. It's like Gabralthus or something. Yeah, yeah, Spider 
(laughs) What if all spiders just called each other spider? Yeah. I mean, we call each other like, oh, hey, man. Or like, in that short for, oh, hi, human. (laughs) Hi, human. What's up, human? What's up, my human? I, uh, yeah, no, spiders probably call each other spider. Or spide. Spide. They shorten it, of yeah, course. Yeah, of course. They to der. Yeah. What's up, der? <laughs> that just makes the spiders sound stupid, and they'll be furious to hear it. I mean, they've got small, small brains compared to ours. Do you think the reason why we don't get a lot of Twitter interactions is because most of our listeners are spiders? Yes, and uh, we constantly rag on them, and they they are they are, they have thin thin little skin. They do. Uh, Daddy Longlegs is the most venomous spider in the world, but his tiny fangs can't penetrate human skin. Mythbusters, motherfucker, that's a lie. <laughs> I was about to say, that's not true. No, it's a myth. One of my favorite things. In the States, we call them Daddy Longlegs. Is that what they call them? Yeah, Daddy Longlegs. Wow, that's such an adorable name. In, uh, in Europe, they call them Harvester Men. Oh, that's much creepier. Because in, in European bee colonies, the, the, the dead bees, they'll be moved out of the hive... And then these long-legged spiders come and collect them. They harvest the dead bees. Oh. They're called harvester men. That's really creepy. They also look completely different from ours. Uh, so, really? <laughs> yeah. Man. So but they're, they're the same, even... like, like uh, family of spider. Like a possum-opossum situation? I guess. Uh, so, you know much about Lego Ninjago? What? N- Lego Ninjago? What? Is this tying into what we're talking about, or are yeah. you segway? This is tying in? Okay. I am. So, uh, every once in a while, I would like to buy myself a Lego kit and assemble it and hide it from people's <laughs> eyes in my Marie Kondo closet shrine. Uh, because I like Lego a lot. It's one of my favorites. I like putting together tiny bullshit. Uh, but I bought a Ninjago dragon... And one of the characters included, I assume is a villain, has no legs and is on like a little spider walker thing. Oh, like the bad guy from Wild Wild West? Exactly. <laughs> uh, and his name in the uh, in the instruction manual in English is Daddy No Legs. Oh no, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is really horrible. However, uh, I really love the name in Spanish because all the instructions change it to Spanish and it is... Uh, Papa Sin Piernas, which is father without legs. Oh no, that's horrible. Father or or daddy without legs. Papa is like an informal name for for dad without legs. Dad without legs. The hot new toy, dad without legs. Uh, here's my mom, and have you met my father without oh. legs? Here's my here's my mother. Have you met my father without legs? <laughs> Alright, so shout out to Eric. You know who you are. Thanks for engaging in the podcast and keeping us afloat on Twitter. Some other people, like, retweeted it, but didn't bother to... Ooh, you <laughs> to mean... actually, like... We got the cowards ratio. Yeah. I, I feel like the cowards ratio is to like it and do nothing else. A retweet, I think, is yeah, a, a retweet. step further. A retweet, I think that's fair. It's like, conscious... Conscientious... Whoa. Conscientious... Objector. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Conscientious I get objector. It. I, I get it, I get it. You know that movie? Huh, Brothers? No, the... <laughs> the movie Brothers about there, the conscientious the objector? Of, there's a, no, there's a movie about... His brother went off to become Jesus a conscientious... Jesus Christ, <laughs> shut up. There's a different movie. 
I think it stars some guy. Jake Gyllenhaal. Doesn't matter. What happens is, um, it might be Andrew Garfield, but a Mississippi man goes off to, like, Korea, and he doesn't want to fight, but he's a medic. Mm -hmm. He wants to help people. He's a conscientious objector that wants to go to war. Oh. He's like a pacifist. For religious reasons, he won't kill, but he wants to be there in the shit to help peel people. So he's a cleric. Yes. Okay. Only he, do, he does not pray to any deity to get any powers. He's just literally like a medic. Oh, so he's like a medic. Okay, that makes sense. Like a chemist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the D&D like, class chemist. Like the chemist who lives down the street. Or if you've ever played, uh, what is that game? Octopath Traveler? No. He's like an apothecary. Oh. I've never played that. It looks good. It's uh, It was a good concept that needed more fleshing out, but it's enjoyable nonetheless. Nice. I'm going to be playing Breath of the Wild for the next four years, so talk to me later. I'm waiting for Super Mario Maker. No, Mario Maker 2 to come out. Oh, I'm not. Okay, well. Mostly Breath of the Wild. I'm late. I'm Look, if I would bought a Nintendo Switch later, I could have bought a worse one. <laughs> Isn't that a hell of a sell? Yeah. Isn't that a hell of a sell? <laughs> Can we make a part of vernacular English calling something bad? Isn't that just hell in a cell? Isn't that just hell in a cell? <laughs> Isn't that just a rage in the cage? Isn't that like mankind threw somebody through a table during hell in the cell? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He felt, well, they went through Off the, the cell. Yeah. They, they went through the cage. Yeah. Rage. Against the machine. Uh, by God, he is broken in half. We are just throwing things left and right. We need to slow down, John. Slow down because this next segment is going to make me talk faster than a snake with snake oil in the NASCAR Derby. Well, this segment is going to make me talk slower than Mississippi Molasses. Well, here we go. It's time snake, snake versus molasses. Snake versus molasses. It's time for our last weekly vague Game of Thrones update. Wait. You mean we've been doing this for how many episodes? Six? Six episodes. We've well, done this six times and we never called it Vague of Thrones. No, why would we have done that? Man, that's great branding. We don't really brand our segments well. We barely brand the show. Yeah. You're right. Anyway, final... The, the final finale! One. one would call it the finale. And now let's just both say the name of the final episode together. The... the wait, wait, three, wait, two, one. The, the Iron Throne. Throne. Is that what it was called? It's called the Iron Throne. Okay, yeah. See, if you waited two hours to keep refreshing the page out of spite because your wife asks you what's the name of the episode and you're just trying to prove a point, you learn that it's called the Iron Throne. It's, uh, I don't my, read into that. My favorite episode was Game of Thrones 69, which was, I think, four <laughs> episodes ago. Game of Thrones 69. Uh, but yes, the final episode to our years long curse. Yes, a decade in the making, this, this episode. The final episode ties up everything in a nice little bow. Everybody's very satisfied with it, unless you happen to be a fan of the show. Uh, yes, it is. It's very difficult to do what we want to do, which is remain vague and uh, also indicate what we found wanting about this episode. I also, uh, to be fair, liked it more than I thought I would. I'm... Uh, the episode ended. 
Yes. And that really cool rendition of, of the theme song was playing. Music, I think, this season was a huge highlight right next to the acting. Yeah. So many great reprises of the theme. Yeah. Uh, light motifs. Real good. I was letting that, that music wash over me. And uh, I, f- I honestly, I felt empty. I felt nothing. Yeah. It did nothing for me. I, uh, it, it's amazing to me because it was the, and I might be slightly more on the positive side than you, but the episode ended and I felt like a, a vague warmth of recognition, just remembering because the, the thing that, and we can talk about this more, but I do think that the thing that the last episode does get right is they do one of the things we talked about, which is kind of celebrate where you came from, but they did it. To kind of a weird degree. But when it ended, I just felt like a slight warmth. And I felt some amount of satisfaction. But it was like less than I would have felt watching a good standard episode of a show. It felt like... It didn't feel like a finale to me. It felt like another, just another episode of the show. Mainly because the pacing was just kind of weird. Like... The first 30 minutes moves by so slowly. It's so living in these moments. And then a big thing happens. And then the next 30 minutes is like, weeks have passed. Yeah. Everyone's again teleporting all over the place. It's just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we just really, uh, we forgot how to pace an episode. The, The episode, it's such a strange pacing because when... At least going from the last episode, when you feel like there's so much left to do, nothing happens. Yeah. At all. For the longest time. And then when the thing happens, uh, I mean, it happens in like a predictable way. Like I pretty much from two or three episodes ago would be able to call like the phrasing of and framing of that thing pretty much exactly. Yeah. I was like, this is this is how it has to happen. This way of like betraying somebody that you have feelings for, and like shot for shot, this way of portraying this action was exactly the same in the show as it has been in everything else it's been in. And also like line for line almost, you know? It, there's you can't do that action without saying that type of line first. Yeah. Cause that's it's kinda like nobody knows how to do it. A better way. It was just like, oh, well, this was done in this. This was done, with, you know. Yeah, I mean, it was the heck. Was we the, saw we saw something very similar in the Force Awakens. It was the the David and the DB school of. I saw this work in a movie once, so let's do it here. And, and that is such should be such a huge, absolutely monumentous. Like you could build an entire show around that one moment. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like they're like, okay, well, we, we have to move on, you know? Yeah. It, it feels like when you're shooting a movie and, like, you want to get the shot right, but, like, the executives are like, all right, well, we're going to we're gonna move on to the next shot. And the director's like, wait, no. It's like, nope, sorry, we got, we got a lot of shoot today, so we're just going to move on to the next set piece. Bring out the other thing. Yeah. Uh, really, what, really, you have to give it to the people behind this episode for making some of the most egregiously on the nose like uh image images they have they compose some <laughs> tremendously literal 
uh, cinematographic tableaus, most of them involving dragons. Yeah. There's one really good shot that I, it's, it's probably cheesy, but I still like. Uh, is, yeah, I did, I'm mimicking the shot to John. Uh, if you've seen the memes, they're all over Twitter. This shot is perfect and should be shown in any film study class. But then the rest of the set dressing was just like, this is just like a German like speech from a dictator and they yeah. dressed it that same exact way. It's like, now you're just like, yeah. not just on the nose, you're pointing to the nose constantly with like both fingers. But even, even what I think that they probably meant to be some of the more subtle decisions, like uh, what the dragon does after the thing happens to the thing yeah. is, is so on the nose and obvious because Someone in the room with me while I was watching this, because I've turned to watching it with people who do talk a fair amount and I despise it. Uh, but someone said, oh, did he do that for this reason? Everyone's like, yeah, of course, that's what it meant. Yeah. Duh. I, there were some... One thing that I do like, the amount of memes to pour out of it, that instead of the reason everyone attributed to the dragon... And there were some jokes like, this dragon's a detective. There's a thing <laughs> here, and then that's the cause for this. And then it looks over like, those are a lot of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. Oh, I, there's just so many wrong decisions. I, and I'm going to call them wrong decisions because you've built this world in a way, you've built these characters in a way that if something happened to a specific person, they would react. They yeah. would not react by keeping peace and order. They would raise hell because that's who they are. The and the, that they they made the decision to not do that. The the fact that you can do a relatively lazy time skip and then the assumed reasoning of this world that has been fought tooth and nail with blood and betrayal and the loss of like character and dignity and family over such a long period of time. You say three or four weeks have passed and then the thing that everyone has wanted from the beginning of these books that we assume is a major through point is decided that way. Yeah. <laughs> That's ludicrous. And, and it feels like Another one of those, oh, uh, well, who's going to get it? Uh, well, everyone's suspecting this other character, so it can't be them. We got to be like the source material. They subverted expectations. We got to do the same. Yeah. So let's throw out this name and then get a really cockamamie reasoning to justify it. So remember how they took a lot of the prophecies from the book and word for word put them in the show? Yeah. People are doing pretty funny things with the prophecy for Cersei. Really? When it says, oh. you will be queen for a time, <laughs> yeah, but there that. will come another, more beautiful. <laughs> I saw that. That was pretty great. It's very funny. There's a lot of good funny things coming out. I think, if nothing else... Because there's been some reactions to the, the handling of this season. Like, there's a petition out that reached half a million signatures within a record amount of time to redo the entire last two seasons. Mm -hmm. And there's some out, you know, backlash from that. It's like, well, you're disrespecting the crew and the writers who worked really hard to bring this to you. And, like, there's a conversation here. Like, the fans aren't happy. But, yes, the work was done. Mm -hmm. And the work will always be done because it is inevitable. Yeah. 
But at the same time, if the people you're making the show for aren't happy, do you have an obligation to address that? I, I would like to speak to the petition to redo the final season. I think that sucks way more than the final season has. I think that is a uh, ridiculous... I, I think it's a, a completely ludicrous notion. I think it's infantile and the idea should be thrown straight in the garbage. Because you should in no way at any point have a power over a creative person for them to to renegotiate their art for your personal enjoyment. Even if you didn't enjoy it, as I didn't. Yeah. Then it still exists and it's still valid. And just because you're upset doesn't mean you can have people like sign a petition to have them remake a thing, which they're not going they're to. Not, there's no reason for that. But them it's to. such a ludicrous notion that makes me so angry because it's at its core, it's disrespectful to the notion of art that people create. Yeah. Because even if art is bad, we should not assume that we have the power by like. Vox Populi to mm. make them redo what we consider to be bad or unsatisfying art. Art isn't a democracy for one. Yeah. It's not even a participation sport as much as it is a viewing experience. You know, it's it's one-sided. Yeah. Art is done to people. Yeah, I mean... You can't do things to art. What you've been enjoying for the past ten years is you've been enjoying these people's labors granted with great source material for the first four seasons but you and then their best darned effort which i will say fell short but that doesn't mean they're gonna do better by redoing it no it, it's like i said it, it's ridiculous but what you're you had art done to you you watched what they did and even if you're not happy it's done yeah and here's the here's the crazy part the part that i'm you know so many people will groan when i say this but there's always the books. Yeah, there are the books. And you know what else? There's other shows. What? This took maybe 10 hours of people's lives to watch these six episodes. Less than that. There's other things you could enjoy. The shows have ended bad. Seinfeld. Seinfeld ended... Sopranos. Sopranos did end bad. Uh, a lot of people were dissatisfied with the conclusion to Lost. I'm not one of them, but other people were. Yeah, I mean, there's there's just things, and endings are divisive, and I get it. Endings are hard. There was... Oh, Castle. The ending of Castle? Yeah. Oh. Because it, it was rushed. Oh. Like, you want to talk about a rushed ending? That show got, like... Because of weird actor disputes, that show got canned on the last episode, and so they shot, like, a 20-second epilogue after the end of what should have been a major cliffhanger. They all got uh, raptured up into heaven. <laughs> Almost. You see Nathan Fillion flying away on wings. Just nodding. Singing the song from Buster Scruggs. Oh, yeah. Cowboy gets his rent turned in his boots for a wing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but things end bad, and endings are definitely hard. Like, even after Game of Thrones ended, as dissatisfying as I did think it was, though I did, I think I might have liked the episode more than I disliked it. I certainly have disliked more episodes more. But, I mean, I felt sad. I felt sad that this thing was over, even though I've had such a fundamental disagreement with it for half of its run. I will... I, I did not like... The finale, but I don't think it was their fault. Because my favorite part of game of, of A Song of Ice and Fire 
this entire time has been diving into the world, diving into th- the fan theories, figuring things out with, with people who are reading it on a deeper, deeper level than me. And then a lot of the loose ends that I have are related to that. Mm-hmm. And the show made it very clear from like season four that they weren't diving into many of those like really crazy things. Like prophecies they kind of threw out the window. Like the magic, of course, they were skirting around, especially like very, uh, very important things in the books. They just leave out completely. And so they kind of, they put it on their sleeves. Like the show is going in a direction where I'm not going to really be satisfied with the conclusion because it's now a different kind of work. Yeah. It's it's an adaptation. It is not a representation of the, the deep world building that Martin likes in the books. Yeah. And so while I'm dissatisfied, I'm not sure how much I can pin it on the show running specifically because what I liked in the books, what I liked of this world wasn't even in the show. Yeah, it wasn't ever going to be part of it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that... For me, the finale, the reason why I did end up feeling so positively about it is there's a moment that turns over, and it's the moment where you see a character... God, this is hard. It's a moment where you see a character in a familiar position at a table. Oh. And I I saw that that table had a completely new makeup of people that whose principal stories we had seen almost from beginning to end, all the most important things in their life... We saw, we we grew along with those characters for like 10 years. My arms are very short. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm That's interrupting fine. the podcast to get, to make John use his long arms to get me a beer. Should we clap or is that good? That's good. We're transparent on this show. Yeah. I, uh. So that scene, I really, I enjoyed it in a way... A lot of people were mad at it because it's like, oh, it was too sitcom-like. But it's like, after so many seasons... Because those moments were in the show before. Yeah. And after so many seasons of no opportunity for those moments, it's nice to get a moment like this, a quiet moment, between these personalities who we've followed from, you know, birth to death, basically. Yeah. And, and, and a scene showing you this is what normal life is going to be like now. And and it was made up of these characters that we've seen do all this stuff. And for some reason, something turned over in my brain. Because after that scene, you then end up with the... What's the thing when you have three paintings side by side? A triptych. A triptych. The, the triptych that they did with the three remaining principal characters who uh, were clearly... We were being told at the end of the show they were the main characters. But for those of you who don't know, a triptych is a medieval style of painting that shows a, a story in three parts with three panels and a different part of the story in each panel. Yes. And they're paintings. Yes. And they're also usually chronological, so it's not a triptych what I just described. Well, triumvirate. A council of. Yes, a council, a council overlooking Rome. A three, the three, the three things. A threesome. A th- nope. Yeah, uh, no, a threesome. Anyway, my boss calls. <laughs> oh no! My boss calls partnerships between three people three ways. Gross. Uh, your boss sounds gross. He doesn't know what sex is though. So yeah, all those hips. <laughs> okay, <laughs> too specific. <laughs> too specific. Anyway. 
Uh, I feel yeah, like... Yeah, that we're showing that these three are the main characters and that's why we're ending with them. Yeah, and th- I thought that was cool, but during that table scene, a switch flipped in my brain and I stopped. It was the strangest thing because I stopped seeing characters that I cared about and I started seeing actors that I've been watching for 10 yeah. plus years and grown really... Like, fell in love with all of these people. All of the people sitting at that table. I've loved their journeys. Certain parts I've definitely hated and it got lazy. But, like, I really started to see these people that I've kind of lived alongside for the last ten years. We've watched a lot of them grow up. Yeah, we we watched them grow up and become these, like, pretty great actors in this really huge but flawed story but i really started to like see them being people and then when it led into the like final three set scenes i had like flashbacks to the first episode seeing how young all of these people were and i got weirdly emotional not for the content of the story because i don't believe that that is truly good yeah and not for the characters because i do not believe that everything was earned for the most part but for like the emotional journey that you lived through along with these characters not sorry along with these actors yeah and i mean one of the things that i do feel like the episode landed is i had this this big sweeping realization of like watching these people grow up and getting kind of emotional over that and then i realized that uh where those characters ended up not this would never happen in the books. And if you've read certain books, totally impossible. Yeah. Uh, but watching these three characters and where they ended up, I was like, this, where these characters are now and who they've become, that's good. Yeah. Like, if you wrote this as a fairly standard story with a very satisfying character arc, those characters being in those three places, perfect place to end it. And like a lot of the genre of fantasy, it ends in a way with not a finite conclusion, but a hint of what life is going to be like after. In the three spinoffs. I don't think... I don't think that's going to happen. Because I know for sure Kit Harrington was like, I will never do another Game of Thrones again. Yeah. Because he's just tired of wearing Ikea rugs. Yeah. I mean, I I think what the people that I was watching it with, like, when a thing would happen, they're like, that's going to be a spinoff. I'm like, these spinoffs aren't going to happen. It, it, to me, it felt like, well, there's five in the works right now, just so you know. But to me, it kind of felt weird in that it... Okay, I get the, tr- the, the fantasy trope of, like, sort of things will go on. I get that, you know. But it did feel a little like they're setting up for more, you know? Yeah. Like, even the conversation, like... In ten years, or like in a decade, that felt like, that seems like you're pointing at something, and then all these other things. It, it kind of felt like either they were doing the fantasy trope in a wrong way to make us feel like there's going to be more, it didn't feel finite mm-hmm. enough, or people are just reading into it because they don't, they're like you, they're like, they don't want it to end a little bit, mm-hmm. they like these actors, they like this setting... Eight years is a long time to invest in something emotionally, so yeah. you feel like you want a payoff, and if you don't get that payoff, you kind of hope there's more so that there's more chance for that payoff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You could also totally black pill it and imagine that they set all this up because HBO loves money, and they love money, and they want to keep the door open. 
And that, and that that is true. All I know is there are five shows being what is the word? Not even developed, but like worked on, mm-hmm. pitched maybe. There's yeah. five pitches going on, and if all of those make it then whoa, that's too much content, so they're going to pare it down probably. Let's just look forward to the Ryan Johnson adaptation of the short George R.R. R. Martin comic book The Hedge Knight. Okay. I'd be down for that. The Hedge Knight's good. I mean, I like... I like. Is that based on Dunkin' Egg? No. Are you sure? I thought there was a Dunkin' Egg story. I mean, it might be Dunkin' Egg. Called The Hedge Knight. Might be Dunkin' Egg. Yeah. Might be Dunkin' Egg. I've never read any of the extraneous work. I think I read that comic when Feast for Crows came out. When was that? Uh, a decade ago? More so. It's been a decade since the last book. Yikes. And the last book wasn't A Feast for Crows. It was like A Dance with Dragons. Oh, no. This was like 2004. I started reading these books in 2004. But that's way before the show. My life. My life. Yeah. Where did it all go? Into Westeros. Ba-ba-ba-da-ba-ba-ba-da-ba-ba. So, I mean, the show's coming to an end. But, you know, don't cancel that HBO subscription quite yet. (laughs) So you can watch all of Barry. You can watch Barry. Barry's a good show. It's Barry good. Uh, you know, HBO has been has really wanted their next Game of Thrones. And they wanted it. Yeah, I get it. It's Barry good. Uh, <laughs> but they've really wanted their next Game of Thrones. They wanted that with Westworld. That didn't happen. Well, I mean... They threw everything into Westworld to make it their next big thing. And Westworld is definitely popular. It passes. But... Not with flying colors. I Aaron Paul's gonna be in season three. If I'm you happy. if you watch any of the like pre, especially the the like pre trailer going into the season finale, because apparently everyone has the same one. It's a medley of upcoming HBO shows. I'm like, oh, all of these are supposed to be their Game of Thrones. Yeah, they they're are. betting fucking big. Well, I I feel like it's kind of like let's cast the net wide and then let's see what sticks. Well, like. We'll give you $16 million for a first season. Show me what you can do. I'm actually kind of excited for the His Dark Materials ad- adaptation. I feel like a miniseries or like an episode, like a TV show like HBO could could be the good a good medium for it. You know what I'm strangely excited for? Something that I really did not think I could say this about? The Watchmen? Yeah. Because it, okay. I have my reservations because of who's involved. Who is involved? Brian Singer? No. Uh, Harvey Weinstein. No. Kevin Spacey. Not that kind. For artistic reasons, not for extracurricular reasons. (laughs) Who is also involved? Uh, What's his name? Damien LaBeouf? Who's that? I don't know his real name. One half of the people behind Lost. Okay. Damon Lindelof. Damon Lindelof. That's him. Yeah. The guy who ruined Prometheus. Yuck. He's he's behind this Watchmen show. Never mind. But the trailer is kind of interesting. It's showing it, it he's pitched it like, you know, Fargo the TV show it is different from Fargo the movie. He's kind of pitched it like that, like so it's going to be different from the the movie but still called Watchmen. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not exactly what Fargo's doing, but go off King. I don't know. What I did like, and this is only something I get from the trailer, and maybe I read too much into it, but there's a scene with a bunch of people with Rorschach masks on. Yeah. And I thought... They're standing in a church. 
Wouldn't it be cool if you made a show about how people misinterpreted the character of Rorschach as being a badass? That I honestly and, and, you, and there was like a, a Rorschach cult of personality, and the enemy is now terrorists who worship Rorschach. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. The, I think that's cool because I think that one of the most like enduring stains on the Watchmen like history is the fact that people have classically misinterpreted Rorschach as being admirable. And especially, like, his last act. Yes. Actually, second to last act. Mm -hmm. The dropping off of the journal. Like, what that does is undo everything that Watchmen is about. Yep. And the the endings panels of of that whole story kind of shows uh, this is a secular thing. It's going to begin again. Everything that you try to do will be undone. And I think the show is kind of like, well, what happens... In the far future of mm-hmm. that world. Yeah. And I, I think that would be interesting. I feel like... I'm, I'm bummed about Damon Lindelof, though. I'm kind of bummed. Look, maybe this is the one time... Every, lightning can strike, you know? Lightning can strike Damon I, Lindelof. Lost was pretty enjoyable, for the most part. I just don't like how dishonest they were. Ooh, God. I should rewatch all of Lost. Lost is good, but it, they said they had a plan from the beginning. There was going to be an explanation for everything. And then, like, the finale aired and they did a bunch of interviews where, like, oh, yeah, we were making it up week to week. And it's like, but why did you lie, though? Why did you lie earlier on and say that everything had a point? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just TV now. It kind of is. Everyone thinks there's a larger... Which, oh. I mean, you can also fuck up. You can do the Westworld and actually plan ahead... But be a little too cute about it. And people figure out. <laughs> and people your big figure twist. out by like episode three what's going on. Yeah. And that that's the risk you run when you do the mystery box kind of setup. People like solving puzzles. That's just it's <laughs> people like puzzles. You have to learn what's the Alex Hirsch, the creator of Gravity Falls. Oh yeah. You have to learn the Alex Hirsch lesson. No once your audience realizes you have puzzles. There is no puzzle you can put in there that they won't solve. Yeah. Because I think he was talking about one of the later episodes of Gravity Falls in season two, which sadly that show only had two seasons. It only needed two. It really did. Weird. Oh, best show on TV. But there's a... Uh, rewatch that. That'd be great. There is uh, <laughs> I recently rewatched it with my girlfriend. Mm. Uh, but there is a sequence. Gravity Falls has always used cryptology. Yes. Uh, in its little puzzles at the end of the episode and and interspersed throughout, there are some obvious, some not obvious. And there is a chase sequence with a Cupid character in one of the later episodes where the only way that you can find the hints to solve the cryptography puzzle in that one, cryptology? Cryptogriff. Cryptogriff. The only way you can solve the cryptogriff puzzle is to pause individual frames like count a number of balloons, look oh at a number God. on the side of a barrel, and they're all flying by. And he said, I did it. I created a puzzle that they're not going to solve for weeks. The very next day, people had a solution to it. People are very committed. And that's... And driven. That's why the people of Westworld fucked up, is I do believe the first season is, for the most part, very well written. It is. But they were just a little too cute. Yeah. And I think they did a good thing in season two where they abandoned a lot of that. They Then they started messing with how you tell a story and what order do you tell a story and kind of like doing the lost 
flash forward, flash back kind of thing where you have to mentally keep track of when you are in the story. And I hope they abandon that because the effect wasn't that great. I should uh, watch that. It's it, I like it. I, I'm kind of excited for season three just because of the addition of Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul's good. You ever watch The Path? I I always wanted to. It's his Hulu show about uh, cults. Yeah, I, I know. Surprisingly him. good. I just like Aaron Paul. I like Aaron Paul a lot. He was really great in Breaking Bad, and I very much enjoy him as Todd on Bojack Horseman. Uh, he was really good in The Path. Uh, but that's Hulu. We hit them all. We had ABC, Hulu, Cartoon Network, HBO. What? All the networks that will be one Why eventually. did you say Cartoon Network? Gravity Falls. Disney. Holy shit! It was a Disney. I forgot. Yeah. thought I had that kind of hard-edged Cartoon <laughs> Network vibe. No, no. It, it was really weird for a Disney, and I think the second season was technically on Disney XD. Oh, Disney laughing face. <laughs> yeah. Oh. How long did we talk about Game of Thrones? Uh, oh, I don't even, even know when we started. Holy shit. You're well, way better at this stuff than I am. I want to say we talked about it for like 20 to 30 minutes. That's a long time. Well, I feel it's, like it deserves it, because this was one of the biggest cultural moments of this year, besides all of the other really big cultural moments of this year. I would say End of Game of Thrones almost beats Endgame, as far as cultural it, I think, moments. I think it's on par, and, and I think we're, we're due for another equally kind of big moment with uh, in December, with the end of the, of the Skywalker saga. I want to be so clear about something. I'm so ready for new shit. I'm so oh. I'm so ready for 2019 to kill everything. You're so ready for new shit as a new franchises, new yeah. stories, not new entries in the same franchises. Because I have bad news. Yeah, if uh, <laughs> there was a really dystopian cursed document that went around that showed the uh, upcoming Disney oh, movie no. slate, and it's a bunch of unnamed cars, pro- not unnamed yeah. cars, but unnamed Star Wars project, unnamed Star Wars project, unnamed Marvel project, unnamed Marvel project, Spider-Man 5. It, it is, we're getting to the point where we need some new stuff, but you know what happens with new stuff? If the new stuff is good, it becomes part of the background noise. Yeah. And you see people doing interesting things. Uh, the brother... I don't even know if it's a brother. Two Guns, who are not James Gunn, are doing a movie coming out soon called Brightburn. I've seen ads for this. It's about, like, an evil Superman. Okay. And so that's taking a concept you're familiar with and twisting it to tell a new story. It's technically a new IP. It's not connected to Superman. Yeah. But we're getting to the point where that's the next stuff to get uh, greenlit. Mm -hmm. The stuff that's tangentially... Related to the big things, and then someone's doing something new with it, and the risk you run is like, well, it does. It's not. It it has to stand on its own. You can't let it draw in all these these references to be like these are the pillars of our, our story. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're we're telling the stories that are the foundation of our other stories. Yeah, we we gave up and we just went back to our Supermans and our Star Warses. I I feel like. I'm getting exhausted a little bit, you know? Like, Endgame was so good, but, you know, that's 22 movies worth of payoff. And, and like, Game of Thrones, it's eight years of payoff. And with this this Skywalker saga coming to an end in December, it's kind of like, why are all of these things ending in 2015? Like, it's physically draining me of of all these 
I, I so I'm in the same boat where it's like I want something new. I want something refreshing because I'm just exhausted emotionally with all of these these endings. Yeah, I'm tired of waiting for things to end. Because once things start and they have a certain amount of momentum, you're like, how the fuck is this thing going to end? And I'm sick of waiting for that. I want to see things begin. Suicide Squad reboot. No. (laughs) Like, uh, with television, I usually wait for the announcement of, like, this is the last season of Blink Mm -hmm. before I start watching it. Because I know there's going to be an end. Yeah. And I thought... Uh, John Wick 3 Parabellum just came out last weekend. I thought, oh, okay, it's going to be a trilogy. This will be the last one. I can catch up. And then just like today, they announced we're going to do a John Wick 4. Yeah. John Wick will keep happening. And uh, and for good reason. I know. It's really, it's really well done. But I think at a certain point, John Wick 5 has to be like, there's no one left on Earth. Yeah, it, it, like, is, it is just Keanu Reeves and his retinue of vicious dogs. Like, at a certain point, when you have a protagonist that is so good at killing, it's just like, by the end of John Wick 4, they're like, crime has been <laughs> eliminated. There's there's only one true John Wick 5, and that is, at the end of John Wick 4, the last person he kills is an evil scientist. And the evil scientist is trying to freeze himself... To be launched into space so that he can escape Earth. And he kills the scientist and is mortally wounded and falls back into the cryopod, is launched, and then, motherfucker, we get John Wick Planet Hulk. Yeah, that's exactly. Where John Wick has to fight in an an interstellar gladiator arena. He He doesn't speak the language. He ends up on whatever equivalent of Sakaar you can come up with. Yeah. And has to gladi- gun gladiator his way to the top. If we, and it just becomes like space gladiator. If we with can Russell make Crow. John Wick Ragnarok, I would be. Oh, dude! At that point, at that point, the meta narrative becomes so entwined with itself because John Wick doesn't get a lot of credit for this. It's very smart because they managed to put Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu Reeves in the same movie again. Is this two? Yeah, in John Wick two, oh, they put okay. them in. They put them in the same scene, and people are like, "Oh fuck, the Matrix!" And they but they do. have a totally different character dynamic, which is oh. really fun to watch. And they they don't like they don't mention it or anything. It's just part of a very self serious story. So in John Wick five, when he goes to the Gladiator planet, obviously the other King Gladiator is Russell Crowe. Exactly. He has to yes. be. That's that's what I want. Yeah. And I want it to be, you know, Leonis Maximus Maximus Decimus Decimus Maximus, you know, whatever yeah, his name is. absolutely. And I, it wouldn't be the same character, but it would be like a Roman gladiator. Yeah. It's Russell Crowe. They team up. But it's played so seriously yeah. that it's like, wait, did, did they do this on purpose? Like, you want that moment where it's genuine, like, did they forget that he already <laughs> played that character? Like... Because then it's elevated. Because yeah. it's like, I don't know, a subtle middle finger to anyone who remembers, but at the same time telling a, a new... But we're getting to the point where the things that are done well become a franchise and become iterated yeah. and iterated. You can't escape the money pit that is good franchising. We we just fell into the good franchising trap because we were talking about how ridiculous it is that we can have a John Wick 4, 5, 6. Well, what, and we just said, wouldn't it be so exciting if we did this metatextual thing? Well, the thing is, is like that's what you have to do. You can't do the same thing over and over again. 
you have to have real stakes. Like, one of the good things that keep doing Mad Maxes is that each new Mad Max, the world is more fucked up. <laughs> Like, the first one is like, oh, he's just a cop who lost his family. The second one is, the world fucking ended. <laughs> it's like, the, the third one is, he's insane now. <laughs> and, like, by the time you get to Fury Road, it's like, it might not even be the same character. <laughs> it might be a different, like, Mad Max who's, who's went insane from hearing the stories of the first one. I really love what time is in the Mad Max movies. Because in the first one, it's only a post-apocalyptic movie. In its canon, because there weren't a lot of people around while they were filming. Yeah. It's a weird biker gang led by a guy named Toe Cutter. This guy lost his family. He's a little unhinged. You're like, okay, Australian cop guy. Cool. There's a very specific aesthetic. And then the road warrior comes along and you're like, oh, in this guy's same life... Within the past five or six years, the world ended and became a desert. Yeah. And then in the next five or six years of this dude's life, he went insane. The world is still a desert, but now tribes have popped up, created, like, content. There are mutants. There's a gladiator coliseum. Yeah, People got over the end of the world very quickly and reestablished nuts societies. Like, that's what you have to do. Yeah. Like, if you're going to franchise, don't make blank two more blank, you know? You gotta, like, be really out there with it, because otherwise we're gonna get sick of your shit. Yeah. Which unless, is like, send John Wick to space. I suppose, well, unless you execute it on a level, because John Wick is executed on a level of perfection that's nigh on unattainable. On on like, you can count the bullets he shoots and, and correspond it to the reloads. Like, so much attention <laughs> to detail that you don't see in movies that it's it's, like... If you can perfect a thing, go for it. Yeah, I mean, the the thing with John Wick, and this isn't supposed to turn into, like, a John Wick cast, but the... Oh, the, it will. The thing with John Wick, and I think what, what gives it what it is, is that it's created by people who worked in the stunt industry, who worked as stuntmen. Yeah. They are the directors. Uh, Chad Stahelski, I think is his name. Uh, so you know John Wick 3's got a horse in it. I do? Uh, so one of the promo pictures of John Wick 3 has a horse in it. And let me tell you in an interview, and this is paraphrased. Okay. Uh, but, uh, he was working on a movie as a stuntman, and they're talking about the inclusion of a horse in John Wick 3. He's on a horse. He's on a horse. They're talking about the inclusion of a horse in John Wick 3, and he's talking about working as a stuntman in a movie, and he says, there was this movie I was working on where I had to run up behind some... I had to run up to someone who ran past a horse. And I was running past the horse, and the horse kicked me in the shoulder, and it broke my shoulder, and it sent me careening into a wall, and I cracked a rib, and I just thought, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so stuntmen are pretty insane. Yeah, stuntmen are completely insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I... John Wick is perfect because it took the perfect human being, Keanu Reeves, yes. and made a movie where only he did shit. They, the only things that are in that movie are things Keanu Reeves can do. They got one of the hardest working actors in the business to, who takes his job extremely seriously. He's not one of those actors who shows up and is like, 
Yeah, I can totally do that. And it turns out they can't. Yeah, like and he he, he train like he he can do like the the marine like you know tactical combat courses now mm-hmm. because he's trained so much to be able to pull off all of these stunts. And if you can do that, I give you permission to iterate ad infinitum. But I gotta, you gotta raise those stakes. You gotta yeah. like there's gotta be a point where John Wick goes <laughs> to space and starts shooting aliens. I don't I don't care. I mean. At some point, that has to be where it goes. Because we, you, when you, something is taken so seriously, it has to be parodied, you know? Yeah. That's why the sequel to Gladiator was going to be a weird dimension-hopping acid trip. What? Don't look it up. But there was going to be a, a sequel to Gladiator where the, the character was recognized by the gods as such a great fighter... That then, like, he would go to, like, the realm of the gods and more champions. Dude, John Wick 5 <laughs> has to be a combination with the spec script for Gladiator 2, I'm... which is how Russell Crowe ended up there. <laughs> yes, that would be amazing. That would be so good. Oh, But see, like, original ideas the executives don't want to take a risk on because, like... You could spend all your money making a really weird movie about a dog that keeps getting resurrected into the bodies of other dogs and sticking with the same family. You're talking about Cloud Atlas? I am talking about, I think it's called A Dog's Purpose. Oh, I thought A Dog's Purpose was to be drowned in that one video. Oh yeah, A Dog's Purpose. The story of that movie, the premise, is that the same dog keeps getting like resurrected into the bodies of other dogs. Oh no, there's only one beer left. You can have it. You're the guest. What a, you're, you're my co-host, but you're a, also a guest in my home. What a host. But here, and so, like, this this guy, Dennis Quaid, I think is, um, he keeps getting the same dog. Because it keeps getting, like, reincarnated as other dogs. That movie apparently did so well, in quotes, it got a fucking sequel called A Dog's Journey. That just came out this past weekend. Oh, really? And it's about Dennis Quaid's daughter... And the same fucking dog, like. Wait, hold on. Is this does this dog keep getting reincarnated? Yes. This. It's this. And, and it keeps, shut up. It <laughs> this is dogtum leap. <laughs> but and it it's keeps, quantum leap with dogs. He keeps dying in violent and gruesome ways, like. Like, the dog drowning is like, yeah, the dog drowns in the first one and gets reincarnated. Like, he keeps dying in these gruesome and horrific ways. Why would people go see this? They wouldn't. It flopped. Why would you make a sequel to a dog's purpose? Josh Gad can find other work. Oh, he was uh, He voices the goddamn dog. He was LeFou. Uh, Why are you making movies about dogs dying? It's like they saw they saw Marley and Me, or they saw Shiloh, they saw Old Yeller, and they thought movies where dogs die do well. Let's make a movie where a dog dies over and over and over again, because that can only do better. I would like to plug something though on the podcast while people are listening, and I do agree with you. Uh, so there's a website. Let me tell you about something. Uh, Does so, the dog die.com? Yes. 
Uh, so I came home one day, and uh, my girlfriend was watching Feel Good Movie Turner and Hooch. Oh, oh no. <laughs> she was, here's the thing. Tom Hanks and a dog. I, I walked in, she was watching Turner and Hooch, she's like, yeah, this movie's really good. I, I think I've heard of it. It's really old. It's it's just about, like, a cop, and, like, there's a dog, and it's really sweet. And I was like, cool, cool. I have to go to bed. <laughs> and she's like, isn't it early? And it's like, yeah, but, you know. Uh, I've seen Turner and Hooch multiple times. Uh, Turner Hooch fucks me up. Yeah. Turner Hooch is like, my dog Skip. There's old Yeller. There's old Yeller, which is like the classic dog dies movie, but that dog was asking for it. Uh, but in Turner and Hooch, the dog dies in Turner and Hooch three times. And then the fourth existential death. The dog is shot and dies. Oh no, that's The horrible. dog turns out just to be mortally wounded, attacks the drug kingpin, dies again. Oh my god. The dog is then rushed to a vet where he is shown to barely be alive and then dies. Oh my god. You have to get reeled back into this fucking dog dying three times. Also, this movie came out in like the early 80s, so if this is spoilers, go fuck yourself. And then, the, and then it shows 50 years in the future when the last person forgets that dog's name. No, you're not joking. What? The, the, Are you serious? So, you see a bunch of... I, I feel like I remember you see a bunch of like torn up stuff because Hooch is a bad dog and he tears up a bunch of stuff. And Tom Hanks is like, ah, you rascal, you're doing it again. And then the camera pants, and he's just got a new dog. What he's a, forgotten oh, about Hooch. Oh. He, has, he has erased Hooch's memory. Uh, but doesthedogdie.com, vital. It's a vital source of information if you don't want to wake up to your girlfriend sobbing. Which is, oh, it's so sad. It's a very sad movie. It's a very sad movie. And so what we absolutely do not need is a, is a movie where a, the same dog dies over and over again, but this time not even for Dennis Quaid, but for his daughter. You know what's ridiculous to me about DoesTheDogDie.com? What's that? So DoesTheDogDie, they've got a lot of different like emotional like content warnings that you can select there, but you can say yes, the dog dies, or no, the dog doesn't die. For Turner and Hooch... Like, 90% of the dog died. Why the fuck are 10% of the people trying to gaslight us on Turner and Hooch? I feel like some people are just like, well, he doesn't really die until the last time. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't... We don't see him die. He could still be alive. I just want to say, at least in All Dogs Go to Heaven, the dog dying is, like, put up front. And then the movie keeps going. <laughs> what if the lesson of a dog's purpose is no dog goes to heaven? <laughs> and they just get they, reincarnated. They live in an awful reincarnation cycle for <laughs> the rest of time. I would think at the end of, like, the first movie, Josh, Gad, J Josh Gad's dog character is like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> just let me die already. I don't care about Dennis Quaid. It just uh, it just turns into Groundhog Day. Yeah. Dog gets hit by a car, wakes up, attacks Dennis Quaid, gets shot by a cop, wakes up. <laughs> if I could just kill Dennis Quaid, I could be free. And then in the sequel's like, here's my daughter. What the fuck did you just do to me, man? Wait, what if you find out that a dog's purpose... And then a dog's journey. And then a dog's endeavor. <laughs> the whole point of all three of those movies, the one thing about his life that he needed to correct was he needed to kill Dennis Quaid. I, the last one has to be a dog's requiem. <laughs> yes. A, a dog's requiem this whole time. He never realized he was being brought to life to kill an innocent man. A dog's three parabellum. <laughs>
<laughs> well, it turns know. out it turns out he's the only one that can stop John Wick. We wrote the movie in John Wick Five. John Wick enters the arena. Russell Crowe uh, enters. Massive, uh, a huge scrap door opens. Romulus Maximus Remus Ra- Ramulus. He walks out. out. He walks out. And then a massive scrap door opens. And then a dog voiced by Josh Gad walks out. It's a three-way battle to the death. Please, uh, yes, three-way, threesome. A threesome battle to the death. And then they turn on their captors. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. No, Jeff Goldblum is still the master. Yeah. It's just it's just Thor Ragnarok both John Wick. Yeah, no, that's and cool. a dog. I'd be voiced cool with by that. Josh Gad. Ah. <laughs> dog Death Movies. That's the that's the lo- that's the slogan of Alamo Drafthouse. Is it? We're gonna go see <laughs> Detective Pikachu. <laughs> we're seeing it on Friday. Yeah. We should we should we're okay. Detective Pikachu. What do you know about it? Uh, it's based on a video game. Pokemons. Well, it's based on the Detective Pikachu video game. Okay, Pokemon, yeah. Uh, and it has Ryan Reynolds. Voicing the Pikachu. Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> no, I think Ben Schwartz is voicing Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay, so Ben Schwartz is in it as Sonic the Hedgehog. That would be a blast. <laughs> uh, a Sonic Blast. So I, what are you looking forward to it? Are you happy? Are you happy that we're seeing this? I've heard it's surprisingly good. It's it's actually been rated the uh, the best video game movie ever. No. Yeah. Not better than Doom. Oh yeah. Better than Doom. Better than Pixels. Not better than House of the Dead. But there was a House of the Dead movie. Isn't, yeah, Uwe Boll. Isn't House of the Dead kind of a movie on its own? What? No, you have a gun. I know, but like, there's. I played the arcade game a few times. There's long stretches of the arcade game where it's like a story is happening, and I'm like, shut up. Yeah, that's true. Better than Resident Evil 1 through 4? Impossible. Better than what's the most better Assassin's than Assassin's Creed? Creed Michael Fassassin's Creed Bender. There are no good video game movies. Oh, yeah? How about the Super Mario Brothers movie? Or Street Fighter 1 and 2. Uh, Street Fighter 2, much better than Street Fighter 1. What about Mortal Kombat? Johnny Cage! Yeah. This is the part where you fall down. Well, I, every time... I can't like that series because I played it once against somebody who knew what they were doing. Oh, that'll ruin Mortal Kombat a second. And they picked Sub-Zero and they kept freezing me over and over. I got to the point where I threw the controller... And I deeply regret, like, I lost my anger, which has only happened a thousand times in my <laughs> life. But I, I just, I, I can never play again. There is a, there's no game like Mortal Kombat because it's designed in such a way that if someone knows even a little bit about what they're doing, they can make you feel like a clown. Yeah, I don't like Mortal Kombat. And the movie gets that too. I'm excited for Detective Pikachu. I'm excited for Detective Pikachu. Maybe we'll talk about it on next week's episode. Oh, we can go to 7-Eleven. They have a Detective Pikachu special. You can get a Slurpee and a black coffee for a dollar. Why would you get both of those? Well, you don't have to get both. You can get one or the other. Oh, okay. You mean or, not and. (laughs) Yeah, no, they are both a dollar. 
Not together. <laughs> Can I get a Slurpee and a black coffee? Sure. <laughs> you stand in front of the register and just pour the coffee into the Slurpee Completely in front of... Completely melting it, overflowing. In front of the intended. Sip it once go. Mm, that's the stuff, Detective Pikachu, and walk out. You say, mm, that's the stuff, Detective Pikachu. I'm sure glad they're running his promotion. Normally, this calls cost upwards of three dollars. Normally, this is illegal. <laughs> oh, I just love my blueberry slurpee and dark mocha roasts combination. Coming to a theater <laughs> near you. I wonder if Alamo Drafthouse has uh, any Detective Pikachu specials. Let's just brainstorm some. All right, so you've got the uh, the Detective Pikachu shake, which is a Slurpee <laughs> from 7-Eleven, and some other premium blend Colombian roast coffee we go. combined together. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the, uh, the uh, Detective Pika steak. It's just a steak. Oh, wait, so those of you who don't know, the Alamo Drafthouse is a movie theater train... And they serve it's food. It's a movie theater train. It's a train. And they serve food. And sometimes for special releases, they come up with a special menu. And we're brainstorming items for that. Not everybody lives in Alamo. Well, Alamo Draft House is all over the nation. In California. In Texas. Pretty much it. <laughs> One's opening to New York. Yeah. Alamo Draft House is great. If you can, do. And so uh, they've got one they call the, uh, the Pika Surprise. They won't... This just says... You get a shocking surprise. Mm-hmm. And it's like $9. You're thinking, oh, this is going to be a premium item. And they bring it out to car battery <laughs> with some jumper cables. And they're like, enjoy. They uh, they do have one. And it's an interesting choice. Uh, it's called, There is Nothing Wrong with Jinx's Character Design. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And it's just it's just a normal food on a plate, but as you eat it's a pile of French fries. It's a pile and of And as you fries. eat the French fries, it slowly reveals the original Jinx face before they changed it to blue. Yeah. And it's just like black face. <laughs> no. Oh, early Pokemon had a major problem. Yeah, Psyduck. <laughs> What the fuck? Actually, that brings me up to the uh, the side duck tartare. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a duck dish, and as you eat it, you get a headache. Oh, it's, it's designed to give you a headache. It just has a lot of salt in it. <laughs> a lot of headache. And uh, there's also the uh, key. I fucking did a steak pun already. Yeah, wait. There's the a duck cube. tartare would just be a raw duck. <laughs> it would be. It gives you a headache and salmonella. <laughs> Uh, but of course, there is the uh, the Q boneless wings, uh, and uh, there's still bones in it. <laughs> <laughs> the bones are on the outside. The bones, actually, it's the bones of the chicken's mother. <laughs> yeah, so it's boneless wings. Make no mistake, in that they are missing the bones of the chicken they're made from, but they have replaced the bones with the chicken's mother. <laughs> It's it's it's, it's really, a fun tree. It's indiscernible, really, unless you look for where they've stitched it back together. <laughs> it's a fun tree for the whole family. Yeah, not uh, the family of chickens. No, no. I imagine that was quite quite traumatizing, <laughs> depending on the order in which. Yeah, they did it. You know Man. the order they had to do it in. Meat is murder. <laughs> it, it is. I'm. 
Vegetables. So, of course, they have the fried eggs of cute. <laughs> it's this fried eggplant that knows what your thoughts. It, it know It just knows what you're thinking. And uh, there is the, the, the Nidoran. Yeah. Female. <laughs> Wait, hold on. No, I can make a food pun out of this. Okay. Knee, knee, knee. Okay, knee is the first one. So there's the... The Nidoran. Nidoran. Oh, Nidoranch. Okay. Male. <laughs> and Nidoranch female. That is their names. Uh, they are both dishes that need ranch dressing but do not have. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They're the only, weirdly enough, they're the only gendered ones. Well, All of the ones they made after that, you have a 50% chance <laughs> of getting male or female. Yeah. But it's just in the name for them for some reason. Yeah, I feel like that's a good list of... <laughs> new, now, normally there are some drinks to go with it. Some custom, like, cocktails yeah. that are blended with it. Which is why there's the the rye horn cola. <laughs> rye I, horn. I need to know... What are Pokemon outside of the original 150? That's all I've said. I don't think you need to know. I feel like that's... That's, that's really the big one. When it comes to the cultural zeitgeist, the number of Pokemon is either 150 or way too many. That That's the realm of the jokes. That's the realm of the knowledge. The wine tentacooler. There you... That's brilliant. <laughs> there we go. It's a... But it's it's a it's weird a thing, because there's, there's like 821, I think is the number. 826. Jesus I, Christ. But people are, like, of course they remember the first one. But then there's a whole generation whose first one is, like, Gen 3 for us. So they're like, oh, yeah, the Mudkip slide for their cocktail. Because Mudkip. Aha. Anyone who identifies Pokemon with Mudkip deserves to be kicked in the face. (laughs) Are they like, oh, Trico. It's like the Grasshopper. Aha. Name one Gen 3 Pokemon that isn't a starter. Wismer. It's Wismer. Am I having a heart attack? Roselia. <laughs> okay, Roselia. <laughs> it's like a rosé. Roselia. It's oh. a rosé. Roselia. <laughs> There's also the, uh, the, uh, wait, we're doing drinks? Yeah, we're doing the cocktails. Okay, then we have to include the... There are so many Pokemon names. I'm trying to think of a Pokemon. Oh, there's the the Rayquaza. (laughs) That is a Pokemon name. Can you make a drink name out of it? Mm, No. It helps if you do this. It helps if you Do a little dance. Do a little wiggle dance and go, ha ha. What's a Gen 4 Pokemon? Drifloon. No, it's still three. No, it's four. Oh, four is a diamond pearl. Yeah, Drifloon and Driflim. Why are those the ones we remember? Because they steal kids. But I mean, first original 150, everyone could do that. Wazel. Bulbasaur, Ivysaur, Venusaur. Starters. Squirtle. Starters. Okay, fine. Magmar, Magikarp, there you Gyarados, yeah. Tentacruel, oh, I think Tentacruel. It's, if you watch the, 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 the show... They used to sing them at you. They sang the names at you. They did. In they the poker rap. They did a like, Pokemon rap. And so it's like, those names got stuck in their head because like they were sung at us. Because we had to watch them multiple times a week because we do the new episode plus reruns. Yeah. Thanks, UPN. 
For me, it was uh, WB. I think mine was also WB. Yeah. Kids UPN, WB. Yeah. UPN was uh, original Dragon Ball and Samurai Pizza Cats. Really? Yeah. Dragon Ball was... A, oh, original Dragon Ball. Never original saw Original Dragon Ball was on UPN. Only saw it when Cartoon Network started doing the reruns. Really? Yeah. The original one was bad. I saw Dragon Ball Z almost in its entirety before I saw an episode of Dragon Ball. I saw one or two episodes of original Dragon Ball. Liked it, didn't understand it, but I was so into Dragon Ball Z. I had the little figurines. I can name all 150 Dragon Ball Z characters. Goku, Bulbasaur, <laughs> I'm sore. Digimon. <laughs> Hansu. Overwatch. <laughs> I'm just naming properties. Uh, well, this has been a journey of an episode. We started talking. A dog's journey. A dog's journey of an episode. We started by congratulating. I'm just going to recap the whole episode. We started by congratulating Eric for naming our podcast spider. Peter Podsker. Podker. Peter Podker. Peter Podker, the podcasting spider. It's weird uh-huh. to say. We vague recapped Game of Thrones and our reactions and our total condemnation, but also at the same time, somewhat enjoyment of that entire series. Mm-hmm. Then we talked about movies and sequels for a long time. Yeah, we did. We had some fun riffs. And somehow we ended up on Detective Pikachu and naming food items after Pokemon. <laughs> it's really the thing I'm excited about most in life is Detective Pikachu. I, I've been in a weird state where it's like after the after Endgame ended, I was like, well, now I have nothing to look forward to. And then the end of Game of Thrones popped up and that happened. It's like, well, now I have nothing to look forward to. And now. And now we're going to go see Detective Pikachu and I'm going to turn to you as soon as it ends and, t- and say, well, now I have nothing to look forward to. <laughs> I mean, it is the end of the Pokemon series. I feel like life is, an, is a, a series of real you have nothing to look forward to and that's kind of beautiful and sad in its own way every day something new dies <laughs> and something new is born a dog's person shut the fuck up every day something dies and you know what's going to die today this episode of the podcast and then a new episode of the podcast will be born next week yeah and if you want to uh, send us how much you want this podcast to die, too bad! You are legally obligated to send us only praise on our Twitter at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for Henry. That stands for Zikachu, Pikachu, Kikachu, Rikachu, Dikachu. I messed up at the second letter. There, the second letter I messed up. There are not a lot of letters that you have to remember. And if you want to send us a letter, you can do so via email at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com if your work has not ruined the concept of email for you. We are on Facebook. Search for Zero Credits Podcast in the Facebook search bar. Send us your memes. Send us your beams. But please, under no circumstances, send us your Mr. Memes. Oh, like Mr. Mime. Like Mr. Mime. Mr. Mime. Did you stream recently? Uh, The last time I streamed. Was it greater than three months ago? I want to say no. We're on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash zero credits. Check out our VODs. Check out our CODs. But please don't check out our hogs. Mr. Hog. (laughs) 
We are also on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. I don't really know. Just plug the podcast part. Who gives a darn about iTunes? Just go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Leave us a like. <laughs> Leave us a subscribe. Leave us a rating of five. That rhymed. It, that was good. That was really a slant rhyme pulled out at the last second. But most importantly... More important than any of this dross, this drivel, this chaff from so much wheat. Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So you need to tell your family. We we love your family. We want your family. We want your family to be our family. And more important, we have your family. So if you don't tell your goddamn dad, Randy Quaid... About the podcast. Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Who's Randy Quaid? Randy Quaid's also an actor. Oh, Dennis. You need to tell your dad, Dennis Quaid, that we're coming. And we've got the rest of your family. And if he wants to see those motherfuckers again, he has to tell everybody he knows down at the dog factory. Because if you have your father, Dennis Quaid, tell one dog factory, they'll tell another dog factory, and then they'll tell two more dog factories. It's like a Fibonacci sequence of dog factories. The Fibonacci sequence, in case you're not aware, goes 0, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13. And from everyone here at the Fibonacci Zero Credits Dog Factory Studios, we want to wish you a happy week. You know, I feel like the journey thus far is truly the dog's journey after all. I really feel like the dog's purpose is the friends we made along the goddamn way. <laughs> the friends were not dogs. All the dogs died. Goodbye! Wait, no, it's sad. Bye! Bye! Does the dog die.com? Zero credits? Yes. <laughs> oh no, we don't kill it. No dogs were harmed in the making of this podcast. We have yet to kill a dog on air. Please never let that happen. Goodbye! We're leaving! <laughs>